Welcome to Trauma and Pop Culture, a monthly podcast where we seek to make knowledge about trauma accessible to the everyday person through analyzing books, movies, TV shows, and other elements of popular culture through a trauma lens. I'm Katherine Spearing, and I'm a trauma recovery coach. I also have a master's degree in religion and cultures and work with survivors of trauma on a regular basis. A word about popular culture. This could be material from modern times, like a Taylor Swift song, or it could be something really old that has retained its relevance over time, like Shakespeare. On most of the episodes on trauma and pop culture, I'll be bringing other mental health professionals into the conversation, but occasionally it'll just be me. While we will be sharing general information about trauma, we are not diagnosing anyone, which is one of the reasons we'll likely stick to fiction most of the time. Please be advised that every discussion assumes everyone has listened to or read or watched said popular item. Expect spoilers around every corner. Occasionally, we'll record these episodes while drinking or eating, so you'll often hear us discuss our food and beverage choices. Just wanted to give you a heads up. If you have questions about trauma or a show or movie or anything you think would be great to analyze, send it to traumaandpopculture at gmail.com. As I mentioned, I am a trauma recovery coach who also works with clients one-on-one. If you're interested in working with me, you can visit my website, katherinespearing.com slash coaching for more information and use the contact form to reach out. While you're on my website, you can sign up for my monthly mailing list, where I'll send out more tidbits about trauma, what popular culture stories I have found helpful on my own trauma recovery journey, plus a few other things you might enjoy. While the tone of this podcast is mostly lighthearted and fun, we will be discussing trauma. There might be some elements that are activating, especially if you're a trauma survivor. So move slow, take care of yourself. If you find yourself overwhelmed, you can always take a break and come back later. In this episode, we will be discussing House of Dragons, which is the prequel to Game of Thrones on HBO. I will be discussing this with Ashley Wilkinson, who is a therapist based in St. Louis. Special warning for this episode as we discuss primarily situations of sexual abuse. Are you caught up on the show? Um, Yes, as of last night. Yeah. Okay, I, I finished it last night too. Yeah. <laughs> like I probably need to like know what happens. Yeah. But I was trying to do it like as I was like laying in bed. I was like, okay, so Damon is Rhaenyra's uncle. And then they betrothed Damon's daughters to Rhaenyra's sons. Oh, I know. So they're like second cousins, but then they're also step siblings. Oh, it's the weirdest family tree of all time. There'd be it's no can you so imagine weird. that genogram? That genogram would be so fucked up. <laughs> there's just no way so to get all the like, and then is Aegon married to his sister yes like the weird sister yes the prophetic one yes yes is that what she is I think so she seems yeah very a friend a friend referred to her as neurodivergent prophecy like she just always her lines are always they always echo or forewarn to something that will happen later she's like there's in the a episode in the floorboards uh-huh, like, uh-huh. <laughs> is dragon. yeah 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 she's she's i kind of like her a little bit and she was like and she's giving the toast of the dinner she's like marriage isn't that bad he ignores you most of the time <laughs> yeah it was like this isn't so bad if you just find somebody that doesn't actually like care about you as it's like whoa okay if that's your best scenario case scenario that's the highlight of your marriage 
feel bad. But it's true. Look at the situations of all. I know. I know. I did get very confused at first. I forgot Aegon was married to a sister because I got, whenever that episode starts and Alicent comes in and she's upset with Aegon for raping the the young girl, the the servant girl. And she says, how could you do that to me, to your wife? And I was like, wait, who's, he got married? I missed that. And then I was like, oh yeah. And then the sister comes in and you're like, Mm -hmm. and they're little babies that they have. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. A very strange, like incest is a part of the culture. Just a really weird. Absolutely. Why do you think Aegon is crazy? Is that like, cause he just, he's all kinds of messed up. Is it just because yeah. of being neglected by his father? Because Allison seems like she's a devoted mother. So his... Yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely has a lot of issues. This was the first, this most recent episode was the first episode where I felt some compassion for Aegon. They showed a little bit more of his humanity, I think. There's a comment he makes to his mom or a question he asks her as he's about to be crowned unwillingly. He does not want to be king. And he just asked, do you love me? Um, like, I think that's honestly the core of why he's so messed up is he's raised in a very strange, convoluted world with parents who have their own trauma and their own issues. His mom was forced to marry his mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just a lot there. We're like, he has, there's a ton of expectations placed on him that he never asked for. And he's pandered to, like, he definitely has some appetites that are horrific. And yes. he's never held accountable or responsible. They just make the consequences go away. And the worst that happens, which is not okay, very bad. His mom slaps him around. Like that's the, the worst I thing that know. happens. And, and we're kind of like, well, at least someone did something. Like, yeah, there's, it's a tension. Cause I, cause like what you said about her being a devoted mom, she feels like a really unpredictable mom. Like, I think she that's really true. loves her children, but she's super unpredictable in how like her own stuff will just come up all of a sudden and be out all over her kids. And so I think that's another part too, the fact that he had to ask his mom, do you love me? Like, he's not sure. Right. And most, most kids will ask that if you're not saying it to them constantly, they still, like, kids will still ask. If they that. doubt like, it. Yeah. It's, it's just like core right. in our DNA is like, we long to be loved. Right. Right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of family, family trauma, family issues happening. So much. Strange Targaryen, <laughs> Valerian, all of the intermingling. So one thing that I think would be cool to focus on for this, I was trying to like, like this, this podcast is supposed to be like lighthearted and like, <laughs> and fun. But I was like, and I want to talk about the, the three rape scenes that are in episode four, that were not yeah. always are situations of sexual abuse that we don't always see as sexual abuse societally look at them as sexual abuse and I was like how do I make this fun because (laughs) this is dark stuff so I don't know I'm coming up empty so we're just going to talk about it but I I wanted to talk about those three those three scenes societal scenes of sexual abuse that we don't always see as sexual abuse and and how that trauma might show up for someone when they have experienced sexual abuse, but it's maybe not a violent rape and they don't see it as, maybe Mm -hmm. don't see it as a violation. Mm -hmm. And in all of these situations, it's very easy for them to probably not see it as a violation and just see it like, this is it, this is just life. And this is just the way that it is. But I think the characters themselves, like you see the trauma in the characters themselves later in the later in the season of how that trauma might show up. So that was kind of what I wanted to focus on uh, yeah. and just like go through, like maybe like scene 
by scene and like character by character and like what, like how that trauma might show up. How does that sound? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's do it. I mean, you're doing a podcast, a pop podcast with but also with, you know, two counselors. So we're going to talk about trauma. It's just going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're fascinated. Exactly. Yeah. I know. And you're like, you're nerding out. So let's go, let's start with Allison. Queen and her, her scene of sexual abuse that we don't always see as sexual abuse was a scene of basically marital rape where she gets invited not not invited, but basically woken up in the middle of the night, told, hey, come satisfy the needs of the king. And I read an article before I watched the episode that was talking about how Game of Thrones missed it again. Like they, you know, had an opportunity to, you know, portray sexual abuse and rape in a, in a, in a, certain way and they they missed it they didn't do well which was interesting I was they they passed over it like they didn't really talk about that part at all so there is an element of like story within a story like this is just this is a story and this is just being told and it's like we're not commenting on every little thing that happens but how do you feel about how they portrayed that situation yeah I mean watching a scene like that as a female, as a married female, as a married female who grew up surrounded by purity culture and the words marital duty being thrown around. That scene was difficult to watch. And from most women that I've talked to, it was a pretty heartbreaking scene, which I think the very fact that watching that scene, anyone felt heartbroken or disgusted or a number of other emotional words that might come to mind, I think immediately I appreciated at least that I appreciated that it wasn't a sensual scene. Yes. It wasn't shot. You don't even really see Viserys like the end. You just right. see his back. Like they really don't focus on him at all. They're pretty intent to focus on Allison. And it's clear that she's pretty not during that entire rape scene. And so those pieces I appreciated because it, it did feel very different to Game of Thrones, the original series to me, which seemed to kind of glorify sexual violence sometimes, often. It so those pieces I appreciated. It, was it still very uncomfortable? Was it horrible to watch? Yes. But those were little things that stood out to me based on, you know, my story and my perception. Right. And then with the, after the episode, they didn't talk about that scene specifically, but I don't remember the name of the director, but she was just talking about the difficulty of writing sex scenes through a mm-hmm. female lens when she grew up watching sex scenes always through a male lens. Right. And even that challenge of like, she's like, I don't have an example of what it looks like to write a scene through the female lens, which I, I felt like they portrayed it pretty well. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, how does Allison feel? Like that was what we saw in that situation. Not nothing about Viserys at all. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that piece was a helpful yeah. And just the, the thought, I mean, just the thought of that, that she doesn't feel like she, it's, it's, it's that hard to find one example of a sex scene right. <laughs> that isn't from the perspective of either a man or what seems to be an objectified culture focus yes. on females, that that would be that hard to find for her to have to be like breaking ground <laughs> to write some of these really 2022 right right was like oh man that's really mind-blowing and discouraging in some ways and I'm I'm glad I don't know it's good this this poll there's this like moral pull of like okay I'm glad that she's 
doing it in this way and doing it differently. And it still sucks. Like it's it's still really hard. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's, it's sort of redeemed, not redeemed itself, but when you see a few episodes later and you see Allison, maybe 10, I guess, 10, 20 years later, and she, someone brings this maid to her that her son has just raped and the way that she responds, like I, I was so tense in that scene. I was just like, is she going to kill her? Like, what is she going to do yeah. to this little girl because of this society and the way that the society treats women and the way that Allison has been tr- treated and the way that she responds to this girl was like, I think evidence of her trauma and evidence of her empathy of like, and then just saying, I believe you, but nobody else is going to just that recognition of like, this is how people are going to see you. This is how people are going to perceive you. And that she does the best she can with the resources that she has. She gives the, the girl money. She, she gives her the version of the, the Targaryen version of the morning after pill. Like she, she attempts to take care of her. She doesn't have any power over her son. So all she can do is say, basically, you're dead to me because he did this. And then the wife walks in, his, his wife walks in, who's also her daughter. And the way that she, Allison responds to Aegon's wife, and she just hugs her, doesn't tell her what happened, but just hugs her. And it's like, she is empathizing with the woman. She is understanding where the woman's coming from. And then she's also just powerless. And there's like nothing that she can do. How do you feel about yeah, just how she responded to yeah. those situations. Oh, it was a pain. I mean, physically painful for me to watch that scene. There was so much, like you said, so much of this, like, Allison comes across as this really, she wants to be, this is going to be so black and white, but she wants to be good. Yeah. She wants to live in a world that doesn't exist for her. She <laughs> craves it. She longs for it. And she's had to through other people's power and through her own trauma and through her own harm had to adjust and evolve mm-hmm. and grasp power where she can. And all of those things make sense since I have immense, I think she's my favorite character so far. She's just immensely complicated and mm-hmm. I have a lot of compassion for her and watching her there. She has, she for months now, I think, no, six years now, I think in this past episode, essentially been sitting on the iron throne. Mm-hmm. while her husband is so sick in bed she had so much power and and I so I felt very in line with Reneas I think is how we say her name the Reneas's aunt who should the the queen who should have been or whatever when she says you you have power and yet you continue to start like you continue to hold up your father your right. husband your son like you are right. continuing to play into these pieces that was a great uh, and scene. so yeah so this great like scene. ambivalence <laughs> Right. Yeah. And this ambivalence where Reneas calls her out and says, you are saying this, but then you're acting this way. So I felt a little, a tiny bit of that, even in the scene where she is talking with the servant girl. It's not Talia. Talia was Diana. the servant girl. Diana. We're just talking with Diana of like, yes, you could feel the almost maternal and sisterly bond of someone who, who's saying me too. Right. Yes. And someone just, just that phrase of abuse begets abuse. Like she was still using her power to basically victim blame Diana and cause her to question. I mean, eventually Diana's so terrified for her life. Basically she's like, I promise I won't tell anybody. Right. Exactly. So there's just that sense of like, Oh, it made me sick to my stomach to have those two 
those two things play out. But it's just a testament to how well that scene was acted and written. I think that I would have that kind of visceral reaction. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a mixed mix bag, mixed bag. Yeah, stuff. yeah, I think there was one on like one hand, it was, it could have been victim victim blaming, but then like everything else instead was true. Right. That is how people will treat her. Like right. they, will, they will blame her for what happened. And so it is, it is very complex. It's like it's so complicated. not an ideal situation. Yeah. Yeah. This is, there's no way to address this in an ideal way, which is basically to have her son's balls cut off. Right. But yeah. The whole show is so violent. I'm like, why is that not like typical punishment for <laughs> just uh, Why are we not castrating people? Come I guess Damon did at the, the opening scene. He did some. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Some violent, some violent. yeah, everyone has their their way of surviving and coping and approaching these very non-ideal situations, which is one right. of the reasons why I think I'm fascinated by this show is because it all is all these situations that it is fantasy. It's these situations that most of us are never going to find ourselves in, hopefully. But let's move on to Kristen Cole. Actually, let's do Rhaenyra. Let's do Rhaenyra first. Okay. And Rhaenyra's scene, which that, that oh my gosh, this... <gasps> The Damon and Rhaenyra, their relationship is just so, ew, it's just so gross. <laughs> like, it is yes, very there creepy. Is, yes, there's chemistry, but I'm just like, I cannot get behind this relationship at all. I, even well, if- right. Is that just kind of the rule though? In this, in this, in like the Game of Thrones fantasy world, is it if you feel chemistry for someone, all bets are off? That's the, yeah, that's the rule. Like it feels like um, all societal, cultural, moral, ethical things. It's like, as long as you feel, feel a, a connection, usually it's a pretty primal one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just is. It totally but even is. that, that kind of leads into the scene with, I think, Damon and Rainier because it talks about like power. And so there's this sense overarching of the entire show, I think less in, in House of Dragon, but definitely in the, in the original series where sexual engagement like there is a power and it is owed to you yes. like if you if you just especially if you're a man if you desire someone you are owed them or you have a right to pursue them regardless of how they feel and I feel like that's the vibe we get from Damon too like that's his that's his prep like his way of like awakening Rhaenyra's sexual desire uh, is to say if you want yes. someone take them Yes. which is so problematic. And then she <laughs> flips it around and wants to take him. And then that's when he's like, nope, I'm out. Right, that's when he loses interest. It's like, exactly. okay, total hypocrite. It wasn't actually about the chemistry for you at that point. Right. Uh, it was about the power. It was about the sense of power that you got in grooming your niece. Exactly. Yeah. And as soon as she's like, Ooh, this is fun. Ooh, I'm right. This. Well, yeah. And then I think that that, that, that rejection that she experiences after she's, you know, basically been aroused by her uncle in mm-hmm. the situation, he rejects her and she takes that and goes home and then does the exact same thing. Right. Right. It was hard. It was heartbreaking to watch. I mean, she's, she's brought down, she's basically said, I don't have any interest in getting married. It's, it's, I'm just going to do it for political reasons. I don't have, basically I feel I'm asexual. Like I just have no desire. I want to rule and be a good queen. And so Damon gets this like flicker in his eye of like, oh, just wait. Like -hmm. there's a whole world you're not even aware of yet. And then he takes her to a brothel. Right. (laughs) And, and like puts her in the middle of an orgy 
And so she's got the visual stimulation. She's got the, the auditory and then her uncle who she's always felt some kind of connection with and been the special person, right? Like he has deemed yes. her as special and treated her that way begins to sexually arouse her. And she likes it because she's supposed to, that's how our bodies are made. Like mm-hmm. there's just that whole sense of like, it was just class. It felt very much like classic grooming. And then as soon as it didn't fit his di- power dynamic or what he was wanting from it, when she He's actually no longer teaching her, right. Right. She's like coming back. And like- yeah. It like took him off guard. Like- <laughs> right. She starts yeah. initiating and puts a little, taking a little power back and he flees and he leaves her there. <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. He just abandons her in a really, yeah, a situation. Right. And then people right. see her like return, like right. people watching her and they see her return and they're like, what are you up? You know? And like, right. They saw her go not, in with him. He does not protect her. He puts her no, in a not at all. And then yeah. does not take responsibility for putting her in that situation. Not um, at all. Do you think, I feel like that way, I mean, yes. Renera has all of her own issues do you think because between Allison Kristen Cole and Renera, Renera has more power than the other two do like Allison basically has to like work behind the scenes mm-hmm. Cole has no power other than violence on behalf of someone on someone else telling him to do it and then Renera does have some more agency and some more power do you think that that impacts how the trauma shows up for her of experiencing this sexual abuse and then abusing someone else and everything that she's gone to because she has more power, more power, more agency. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, I mean, we know, I mean, just from like attachment research, we know that one, if you have any kind of secure or close to secure attachment, you are automatically going to have greater resilience and a greater window of tolerance when it comes to experiencing your own trauma. So Viserys say what you will about him. There's a lot that could be said there. And say what you will about his relationship with his daughter. There's a lot we could say there. He, he's the closest thing to a secure attachment that she has. And it's pretty consistent. He's the most consistent person in her life. She also comes from privilege. She is the most powerful female in that world. She's pretty protected. Pretty So she does have a lot more agency and a lot more power from the get-go than most people would. And I do think that that dramatically alters how you absorb difficult things that happen to you. Because we know, again, from research that trauma isn't necessarily what happens to you, but how your body absorbs it and how it affects you. And so she's, it sounds like it would make sense to me that she's able to engage with some of these really horrific things in a way she ends up being a slightly more stable emotion emotionally a, a more stable figure than people like Christian Cole or Allison who didn't have that privilege didn't have that power didn't have those secure attachments from the get-go yeah do you think her relationship with Damon and the way that she ends up marrying him do you think it's all just like political and I need someone strong to help me or do you think it's a trauma bond oh I don't I feel like door number three please <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it's there's a lot of complexities there yeah yeah I think it's probably a combo I think she's again this is someone she's felt connected to her entire life who has always treated her in a special way even when it was very unhealthy you know and and abusive and he yeah he does tend to be around for her later they both yeah but I think a lot of it seemed to be like grief bonding over losses of their their loved ones it was a really interesting and I do think that she 
wants to be queen. Like she wants to break the cycles and to do that, she thinks she has to sit on that throne. And so she will do probably pretty much whatever she needs to, to do that. And if that means marrying her uncle and securing the line that she knows is shaky, even if she will never Mm -hmm. admit to it and having some, some white haired Targaryen babies, I think. Yeah. So I think it's a combo. I think there's all that. I, I have appreciated in the Game of Thrones series and then even in this one that they will allow or they will create female characters that are complex as well and not just like all good and all the moral compass. Like she, from the very beginning, Rhaenyra is doing some questionable things and abusing yeah. her power and 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 we're being set up for her to get really really violent eventually probably to go back to what you were saying about Rhaenyra and Damon and their original scene and then how that overflows into like Kristen Cole so she absorbs immediately Mm -hmm. this this rule I mean the first time that you are sexually aroused by another person or whether that's making out intercourse you know whatever it is it's memorable like you remember it it is a moment So in that moment, she absorbs this rule that if I want it, I am owed it and Mm -hmm. I can pursue it. And even in there, what killed me as a female, I was like, there's some really cool, like agency, sexual agency messages in there that just got really twisted. Like, yes, it's important that you enjoy sex. Yes, it's important that you get to show initiative and that it's not like this, mm-hmm. you know, funny daddy marital duty. I'm just like, I, I have no desires type of thing, but he takes those things and he twists it into again, the power dynamic. And then she just goes right home to this guy that likes her, but has taken an oath and she just abuses her power all over the guy. And it just was so sad. Yeah, it's <laughs> very, it's very complex. And you're just like, yeah, I don't want her to have that response to it. I don't want her to take this and then perpetuate it but this is what her uncle taught her to do and you're like I I don't want her to be Allison like that's not what I want for her and to just be like completely passive but then is the only other option I think that's kind of what's frustrating about it is like we're not given any good options like there's always Mm -hmm. there's always something not okay about you know, and like, even just like the final scene of the most recent episode where they're having the dinner and it feels like everything's going well. And then it's just a total disaster. Like you get yeah. this, like, the whole show is abusive. Like, <laughs> like you just never you know if you can trust what anyone is saying. Like the, yeah, you, just, you never have any idea. Yeah. And it's so complicated, like you said, because I really think she cares for Kristen, like in her own way, like Mm -hmm. that was someone who she felt safe with. He literally protected her. Of course, she's going to be like, want to go to him after Mm -hmm. having these feelings. But she's already attracted to him. Right. Yeah. And she's just told this is, this is what you do and this is how it works. And yeah, you can, because you're the princess and you're going to be the queen. Cole's trauma is very obvious. He hates Rhaenyra. His hatred of her is more than just scorned lover hatred. Right. He, it's very obvious. There's just a deep seated. I want her dead, you know, just, and he even murders like when Bisbee is like 
Brisbee, Brisbee, whatever his name is, is speaking yeah. up and defending her. He murders the guy. And like he's so violent. Yeah. No, no consequences whatsoever for that. Yeah. And, and no then- inhibitions. Like he just does. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah, that scene when that happened, I was laying in bed and Dave's doing like next to me, like looking on like probably on Reddit or something. And I just went, <gasps> and he goes, What? What's wrong? And it I was went, very yeah, shocking. It's fine. It's just, it's the show. But it yeah, really yeah. took me off guard. It was one of those moments. Yeah, I have a feeling either there's something they haven't told us yet. Like there's just something missing for me about Kristen Cole's going from this like really nice guy who was like the knight in shining armor to violent, like obsessive Mm-hmm. love slave of the queen like it just is a really dramatic turn like you said it's not just scorn lover it's like yeah so I feel like there's there's just a piece missing for me there of like there's gotta be something oh, else yeah. going on here you don't think like, it's enough you don't think the sexual abuse is enough for him to develop that kind of hatred I think it would be I think that that kind of violence usually is not just other focused I think I wonder how much self-hatred he has Ah, and how that to take gets. his own life. Right. Yeah. There's just like a lot there. That that whole episode, the end of that, where he eventually he ends up killing Lenore's uh, lover or mm-hmm. partner. Right. Like, I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. There's is, something that happened. Unhinged. Yeah. Like what? What happened in that? Like he made a little comment, but like something, something cl- like unhinged. Yeah. For him, right then, and like opened up this like violence. Yeah. So I don't know if, you know, being in a place where he was feeling really vulnerable and really rejected and all the other things. And then he got a taste of violence and it was like, oh, this makes me feel better. Like, yeah, right. I don't know. There's a lot uh, of exertion lot of, of power. Like he is, totally. uh, I mean, I would say between Allison Cole and Rhaenyra, he has the less, least amount of power mm-hmm. of all three of them. And his only outlet is like, quote unquote, protecting someone else. And so he's like taking it to like this when he gets a chance, it's basically if he gets a chance to be violent in order in the name of protection, then he just goes for it. Yeah. Just, yeah, it just, yeah, there was definitely a switch, a switch flipping. I'm kind of wondering if it's just the fact that he's a man and he was taken advantage of and men, men, don't get taken advantage of. And then that's how it shows up for him is this is the only way he can cope is by being violent. By being extra, extremely their definition of manly. Yeah, that's what I think I just get really curious about. Okay, so what have been like in that culture, being violent is being masculine, being violent is to be powerful. And so, yeah, I'm just very curious about what, prepared him definitely it is enough to to have been abused to have been raped but usually we're primed for again the way that we absorb that and so I just get really curious about what were the ways that Kristen Cole was primed so like maybe that'll be a spinoff we'll get a spinoff on like the origin story of Kristen Cole (laughs) right Um, yeah are we gonna get any of those blanks filled in because he was the good he was the one of the only good characters and then you know per George R. R. Martin you know rule there is no good and like, he's mm-hmm. now he's mm-hmm. now a very flawed character who abuses children and you know just takes out you know and murders people when he gets when he has a perceived slight yeah yeah but it is it is very different there yeah it was definitely just a, a switch flipping like something yes. 
something got locked, unlocked in him when he got rejected yeah. by Rhaenyra. Yeah. Used and then rejected by Rhaenyra. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's like coming from this place of like, I'm a man and you don't do this to men. Like, like no this idea. Happened to me. Like, like mm. I'm, a, I'm a knight. Like, people don't do that, you know, to just even just have that scorn of the yeah. fact that a woman would do this to him. I don't know. Yeah. So, any, any other thoughts to wrap us up? I don't think so. Thanks for, thanks for chatting about it. It's been just really interesting to watch the show and fun to talk about it with people. So it was good to have the conversation and tie some of the, even making connections, you know, just as we were talking, but yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was good to be able to talk about it too. Cause I think, I think the show itself could just be traumatizing. So it's it like, is. it's good to just like have hash it out with someone else and just be like, okay, we're in, we are yeah. in modern times. We are not in Game of Thrones. Right. This is not the world I'm living in. And unfortunately, I guess that's the other piece you could eventually talk more about too, is it's the, the ugness, whatever that is of where that world does feel similar to ours. Uh Like, yeah, but thankfully a lot of it does not, but there's definitely still some of the overlap. And and I think they've done a lot of really good stuff with this one because there is so much, I mean, the Game of Thrones tends to be pretty feminist anyway, with just more powerful women and, and, and creating space for women to have power and, and make choices and, and be intelligent too. Yes. Um, And, but I feel like this show even more so is very much through a female lens. Yes. Even, is it a, Renice, Renice, the aunt, Renice, mm-hmm. the auntie, mm-hmm. like her final scene, man. Oh, I was so satisfying. So <laughs> I was so excited. I wanted her to burn up that whole day, but you know, the fact yeah, I guess I was like, well, I guess it's okay that there's some morality in this show. <laughs> right, right. I guess it's. I guess I kind of want her to say somewhat one of the good guys. Yeah, this entire episode just needs to come with a spoiler alert but you're right that's a part that I really admire and appreciate I think about that show is that I mean and like you said House of Dragon the main the main powerhouses and plot movers are Alicent and Rhaenyras and Rhaenyas like all the, the women and the men are there and important but their main the main plot movers are the females which is a cool just a really cool thing to watch it really is and the, yeah they're, they're maintaining the complexity and they're maintaining this like these women could do anything at any time as well like we're yeah. not they're not just these beacons of morality as right as women are often portrayed in a lot yeah, of yeah they're all extremely literature. human <laughs> yes very very much so yes cool yeah thanks for thanks for having me thank you so much uh, I appreciate I'll talk to you it. Soon. all right yeah. talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Trauma and Pop Culture. Join us next month when we discuss trauma in the film Don't Worry Darling. You would tell them like, you know, this is for your good and we have what's best in mind for you and we want you to be happy and it's like, but they don't have a choice in what that happiness looks like. I think that's like in any kind of patriarchal system where they're telling you they're protecting you as a female, but really it's like you have no choice and what that protection might look like.